When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's good, everyone? Welcome to KGW's 3-on-3 Blazers. My name is Orlando, joined as always by Jared Cowley, Nate Hansen, Max Barr on the ones and twos. So good to be back, and what a week it has been in Rip City. Who could have predicted this, guys? The last time we talked, we were mourning Yusuf Nurkic's injury and wondering, could this team stay afloat? Maybe this would be the, the worst thing that we talked about all season with this team. And soon after, the Blazers announced that C.J. McCollum would be out for an extended period of time, dealing with the the foot injury, which also is somewhat of a freak injury where he has his foot stepped on. Then the Blazers' two games against the Memphis Grizzlies are postponed due to COVID. So here we are, (laughs) after quite the eventful week, waiting for the Portland Trail Blazers to play a game again. So... Just your guys's. let's start there with your initial reaction to the week that was with the Portland Trailblazers. Jared, I'd like to get your opinion both on Nurk and CJ at this point. I mean, it's a, it's a gut punch for any Blazers fan. I mean, you've seen this with, you know, the injuries that the Blazers have dealt with over the years. And, you know, I think the expectations for this team were pretty high going into the season. And we talked before – the season started about our expectations and the caveat with all of that was as long as they stay healthy, as long as they don't lose someone like Nurkic or someone like McCollum um, or heaven forbid, Damian Lillard. And then it happens all in the space of a a few days. And so, yeah, it's definitely a gut punch. It's uh, it's really tough. Any team that loses their, you know, two of their three best players would be in a bad place. And, um, we're going to talk about whether the Blazers can survive without these two players going forward. But I think that they definitely have their work cut out for them. I actually think that having the the Grizzlies games postponed um, helps them out, not just because it pushes those games into the second half of the season. And that could mean Nurkic and McCollum would be back for when they play them. I mean, I, I think that there's just too much unknown with that because you don't know when those games are going to be scheduled you assume that there'll be home games still, but but you don't know. You don't know what that second half of the season is going to look like. And But what the Blazers have been able to do and are doing right now is practicing. And you don't get to do that very often, you know, in the midst of a season, especially a season like this. And to be able to get, you know, that much time on the practice court can only help. I mean, not just for guys like Robert Covington and, um, and some of those guys who are struggling, new additions to the team, but also for these guys who are going to have to take on larger roles Um, and become a a bigger part of the offense, you know, just being able to get out there on the practice court and get some, some time in and and run some sets. I mean, I think that's going to help. So I think that that was a blessing in disguise um, to get a little practice time and and we'll see how this team goes forward. But yeah, it's definitely a gut punch. You know, there's no sugarcoating it. I know we're talking about practice, but man, it's hard to believe But this week marked the first time the Trailblazers have been able to have a full contact practice all season long. So as you mentioned, that is definitely somewhat of a blessing in disguise just to figure out what the heck they're working with because there are probably so many things that this coaching staff wants to implement and having to do it in a game, like drawing it up in a timeout, like, I mean, that's difficult to do there. Nate, I want to bring you in because the last time we talked, it was all about Nurk and didn't get your reaction with CJ and also having the two games postponed and the Blazers essentially going a week without playing a game. Yeah, we'll get into the CJ thing in this podcast in terms of, you know, what the Blazers lose with him going out. But you guys are right in terms of the timing of the postponement. And it was actually like my initial reaction to you guys privately when they announced the first postponement was – well, you know, this is one less game that they'll probably have to play without having Damon C- 
or rather CJ and Nurk. And they could have them both back, hopefully, in the second half of the season. And then you get a second one with the postponement. And what you guys talked about, the practice time, it gives them an opportunity to kind of reset and have like a mini training camp, knowing what they're going to have to do for the next month or two of the season because they hadn't had more than one day off in between games yet this season until the postponements happened. The most days they had off in between games was only one which is why they didn't have those full contact practices. So in terms of looking for something to be positive about, which is difficult to do over this past week, if you're a trailblazers fan, that that's about it. And, and then we'll see when this, whenever this team returns to the floor, we'll see what they have because it, it's going to look vastly different from what we saw for the first month of the season. I think that's, the perfect segue into how we roll, which is three questions and three answers because, well, there's three of us. So question number one, can the Blazers survive the next month or two without two of their best players? It depends. To me, this depends on what your definition of survive is. Uh, If your definition is can they keep afloat and still be a team in a position to make, to make it into the postseason? Well, of course they can. Uh, These injuries while significant and will affect the Blazers, at the moment, we don't think it should extend much into the second half of the season. So we're kind of looking at the rest of the first half of the season for the most part. Now, if your definition of survive is be a top four team who hosts a first round series, uh, that's a that's a whole different story, which is where we were in the preseason. Um, but let's go half glass full here. There are a couple things in the Blazers' favor that, They can't really control, but with the way the Western Conference is right now, are working in their favor. And that is, we've talked about this last couple weeks, there's still little separation right now in the West. You have the Clippers, the Jazz, and the Lakers have all separated. But everyone else kind of just hanging around 500, a couple games over, a couple games under. The Blazers right now would be, I think, the five seed in the West at eight and six, only a half game behind the four seed but also only a game up on the 10th seed, which I think is the Mavericks right now, or the Nuggets, one of those two. Um, so a real question is, outside the Blazers' control, how long will these teams in the West that we thought would be really good, like Denver, like Dallas, how long will those teams continue to hang around 500? If they continue to just hang around 500 like this for another month, then the Blazers' chances of being a team that could potentially survive this and be in a position where you know not at the end of it they would be a top four seed but still in a range where they can make a run in the second half of the season to maybe be the fourth seed in the west and host the first round playoff series that's possible um but if those teams get things rolling if the nuggets the suns the mavericks any or all those teams kind of begin to make their run now that we're a month into the season then it's going to be really difficult for the blazers to do that so i think At this point, my definition of survive for the Blazers would be, can they avoid, at the end of the season, can they avoid the play-in postseason round, which would require being a top six seed in the West? Can they do that? And this is where what they can control, I think, also works a little bit in their favor. We talked about their schedule in the first half of the season so far. After that first week, how we said January was going to be the easiest part of their schedule. Well, February is tougher, but it's not extremely difficult for the Blazers. They still have, I think, a generally favorable schedule the rest of the first half of the schedule. I think there's seven matchups that they have where talent-wise, you could say this team could be overmatched without CJ and Nurk. And those seven games would be at the Bucks, at the 76ers, when they host the 76ers, at the Mavericks, and that's dependent on the Mavericks getting going, at the Suns, at Denver, same with the Mavericks, if they get things rolling, and at the Lakers. Those seven games, I think you could say the Blazers would have a really difficult time without C.J. or Nurk uh, competing in those games. But they have 21 games left in the first half of the schedule, which means they have 14 other ones where I think even without C.J. and and Nurk, the expectation shouldn't be that they win these games, but they should certainly be competitive and have a decent shot at winning more of them than losing them. I mean, they have the Knicks, Thunder, Rockets, Bulls, Knicks again, Hornets, Magic, Cavs, Thunder, Pelicans, Wizards, Hornets, Warriors, and Kings. None of those teams blow you away as teams the Blazers couldn't beat on the right night. 
And so if you're looking at it that way, can my goal, if I'm the Blazers, if I'm a Blazers fan, my goal, can this team hang around 500, be 500 when CJ and Nurk, both of them are back? And to stay 500 through the first half of the season, they'd have to play 10 and 11 through those 21 games. Is that possible? I think it is. They would have, like I said, their work cut out for them, but you still have one of the top 10 players in the league. So I'm not yet saying this team, in order to stay in that hunt to avoid the play in tournament, I think this team can still do that. That's where I'm at with them. I really thought you were going to be a, a much higher on the panic mode list. Like, you know, I thought there was going to be a higher level of concern for, from you. On, Honestly, I expected to because we had talked about how the February schedule is more difficult. But then when I looked at it, I was like, you know, they could win some of those games. And if they win of those 14 games that I think they should be competitive and involved in, if they win more than they lose, then they'll be right around 500 when you get CJ and Nurk back. And if they're right around 500, I still think, you know, a five or six seed could be in the works for them. What do you think, Jared? Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat as Nate. Um the calculus has changed. I don't think the Blazers are going to finish second in the West anymore. Um, I don't see them finishing near the top of the conference now. Uh, I think that they're challenging for the playoffs. That's kind of right now I see that as a ceiling for this team just because they have to go through this stretch without two of their three best players. And like Nate said, it's all about this word survive. I mean, it's not about can they thrive over the next month or two. It's about can you get by? And can you stay in contention for a playoff spot? And I think they can. I kind of did the same thing as Nate did. I think I know that like they said that CJ will be reevaluated in four weeks and Nurkic in six weeks, but I think you're probably going to be without both of those players for at least the next two months. So through the end of the first half schedule, that's the way I see it. Um, and before we get into the Blazers and whether the roster, the Blazers roster itself can withstand the loss of McCollum and Nurkic, I also looked at the remaining 21 games on the schedule and I went ahead and categorized them as what I saw as wins, toss ups and losses. And I saw it very similar to, to where Nate uh, ended um, without going through the, the schedule game by game. I actually came up with no sure wins. I didn't see anything on the roster where I was confident that that's a win for the Blazers. Good, good um, decision on that one. Yeah. I mean, it's how can you right now? Like you never know what you're going to get. Like the players they are going to be, I'll talk about this later, but the players they are relying on to, to fill, especially the role of CJ McCollum and try to, you know, replace that production. They're so inconsistent. You don't know what you're going to get from this team night in and night out. Um, so anyway, I came up with four sure losses. I know Nate had seven. I put the Mavericks and the Suns and the Nuggets, even though I do think, think those teams right now are more talented than, than the Blazers, especially the injured Blazers. I put them in the toss-up category just because I think those teams, if the Blazers have a good game, they can beat those teams. Sure losses, I put the Bucks, the, both games against the 76ers and the Lakers. I don't see the Blazers rising up to beat those teams. So that leaves 17 games for me that were toss-ups. So I just gave them a 9-8 and eight record in, in those toss-up games, just right around 500. I think that's a fair estimate. And an 0-4 record in those other four games, that puts them at 9-12, and 12, not that much different than the 10-11 and 11 that Nate was talking about. And they end up at the end of the first half just below 500, 17 and 18. And I think that qualifies as surviving because if you get CJ back, you get Nurkic back in the second half. I mean, this team is known for going on runs in the second half anyway. You get those two players back, you take that into consideration. And I think that they can then contend for I think that the way Nate put it is really smart you want to avoid that play in tournament maybe this team isn't a team that can get into the top four of the west unless the west is just a bunch of 500 teams for the rest of the year but I think that they can qualify for a top six seed and that would be a win considering what this team is going through this season um, so yeah I think they can survive uh, I don't see like Nate said I mean this schedule there are some tough teams on the schedule but there are also a lot of games that the Blazers can win, even with the depleted roster. Yeah, not only do I think the Blazers can survive, I think they will. And to Woo! your point, to your point, man, um, your definition of survive is, is getting into the playoffs. And I think your goal has to be to avoid that being the eighth seed and, and facing number one. If you can face a two or a three seed, 
um, and this team gets right and gets hot at the end of the season, they could be a problem. And based on on the roster and, and looking at these guys, I think that's really my only concern is that there's so much unknown. We don't know what this team can do. I mean, we saw one example against the Spurs where they looked terrible, <laughs> and you saw a guy like Pirtle take over a game. So, you know, there is reason to have some concerns, but I'm not there yet. I think I want to see this thing through. Maybe after this week, we'll have a much better idea about the type of team it is. And having this week of practice is so huge for this team. Like, it seems so inconsequential, but in such a weird year where that is not a thing, practice is like thrown out the window training camp thrown out there like there, there was none of that yeah. so I think this is an opportunity to figure out okay how are we going to what type of team are we going to be now what is our vision how, how do we how do we do things both from the coaching staff and from a player perspective so I really want to see what this team has and what they're going to look like this week I think this is a huge week for this team at least for the next couple of months as we figure out what they are without two of their three best players so yeah. guys that, that goes into question number two, and you guys can kind of weave in and out on this one because there's so much to, to cover on question number two, but that is, do the Blazers need to make a move now or should they get by with the players on their roster? I'll go ahead. Go, go for it. Uh, I might go a little bit long on this one because we didn't really talk in the first segment about the players that are there that are going to be trying to fill the void left by both Nurkic and McCollum. And so I wanted to go through that to kind of jump into whether they do need to make a move. Um, first of all, before we talk about whether they should, I don't think they will. I don't think that right now, I don't think Neil Shea is going to make any kind of move. I think that what he's going to do is look and see what, what this team has, what these players who are going to be thrust into larger roles, whether they can handle that or not. So I think we've got at least two weeks, at least of assessment before Olshay would even think about making a move. But this question is, should they? Do they need to? And so that's kind of what I'm going to get into. I wanted to look at both positions. Uh, starting with center, I think they can get by at center. Uh, that's less of a concern for me. I have a lot of confidence in Ennis Cantor. I know exactly what he is as a player. I know he's not good, good defensively, and he's probably never going to be. But that And that Maybe that just means that the Blazers are going to be a bad defensive team until Nurkic gets back. And maybe even after that, maybe this team's not going to be good on defense this season. That, that could be the, the, the way it, it plays out. But Cantor, he's an excellent offensive player. He gives the Blazers a ton of production. I mean, you look at his stats in the two games since Nurkic got injured. He wasn't as good in the game against the Spurs, but still 10.5 points, 11.5 rebounds, four assists, 2.5 blocks, and a steal in 28 minutes per game. That's really good production. Cantor's having a very good season. And even if he is subpar defensively, he still rebounds the ball really well. And that's going to help the Blazer. I mean, that is part of defense is being able to, you know, get the ball and not give up offensive rebounds. Um, Harry Giles is obviously probably going to get all the backup minutes or most of them at center. Rocco is going to get some occasional minutes at center when the Blazers go small, but that's going to be lineup dependent and who they're playing. And we're just going to have to see what Giles has. He, he has to prove that he can get things done in those 15 minutes or so that he's going to need to play. And honestly, so far this season, I haven't been very impressed with him in the limited minutes he has played, but he did look good in the preseason. And if you look back last season in Sacramento, I know the Kings let him go. I still don't really understand why they did, but he was a rotation player for the Kings and he was productive. He averaged about seven points and four rebounds in about 15 minutes a game. And if the Blazers can get that, and he shot like 56% from the field, so he was efficient. If the Blazers can get that from him in those backup minutes, then I think they'll be able to survive at center. So I'm less concerned about that. Jared, can, can we jump in before you move on to CJ? Oh, Just yeah, 100%. Go for it. Finish off the nerd conversation, because based on Orlando's nodding, I think we're all kind of in agreement on yeah. that. And Orlando and I, we talked after Nurk's injury uh, about how we thought they could survive uh, with, with a combination of Ennis and Harry and, and Covington playing some minutes at the five. That was also, we thought they could survive because they thought, we thought they had CJ McCollum 
uh, still available <laughs> with the roster. But I think we're all on the same page, at least, that I think where you're about to go with this is that C.J. McCollum will be the more difficult one to replace. Do you feel that way, Orlando? I do. Uh, outside of the fact, the, the one point that you've drilled home over and over has been defense. Yeah. And uh, this becomes a concern without Nurkic in there. Yeah, but my attitude, once Nurkic was hurt, was my attitude was this is a team that's not going to be good defensively anyways. They're going to have to outscore teams. Right. Yeah, which at least accepted it. CJ for that. Now you don't have CJ. And so, Jared, I'll let you take it away from there. And it's not like there's a move out there at center where they could bring in a guy that I see at least where it would fix the defense. The defense is, is broken right now, and until that changes, that's the way it's going to be. Um, I am a lot more concerned about the guard position. Um, I know Rodney Hood played pretty well against the Spurs, and Gary Trent Jr. has definitely had his moments. Um, But between those two, the consistency of both of those players is a major concern, and we can maybe get into that. But I do think those two can at least hold down the fort taking most of the minutes at shooting guard. I think you can get at least enough consistent minutes out of the two of them combined that – you, you're not going to be able to replace C.J. McCollum, but those two players are good enough that I think that you can kind of get by. My concern, though, is the 12 to 13 minutes per game when Lillard sits, and it's a huge concern, and the prospect of Anthony Simons running the show. I like Simons. Seems like a nice kid. I really hope he figures it out. I know that oh. Neil O'Shea is super high on him. I know Jared's that about to slam him here. Jared just said he's a nice kid. I'm bracing myself too, man. I haven't been on the Simons train for a while. Um, Neil Shea is really high on him. We remember when he talked about how he was the most talented player he'd ever drafted. I know veteran players have talked about how awesome he is in practice, but all of that hype has to become production on the court at some point, and it has not been. If you remember back to last season, the first 25 games of last season, he was pretty good. He averaged about 10 points per game, shot 36% from three. He's playing about 22 minutes per game. He was a productive rotation player. But then in the last 45 games of the regular season last year, he averaged seven points, shot 31% from three. He's even worse this season. He's averaging four points and shooting 32% from three. And he's only playing about 10 minutes per game. It's been a very long stretch of poor play by Simons. At some point, he doesn't even look like an NBA player out on the court, to be honest. And so if you also look at what happens to the Blazers when Simons is on the court, when they take Dame off the court and Simons is in there trying to run the show, the Blazers' net rating is negative 27.2. You can't, you can't survive with that kind of lack of production, even in that 12 to 13-minute stretch. The Blazers just get blasted. So I think if the Blazers actually want to survive those minutes without Dame and survive this stretch without CJ, because CJ was a good backup point guard, but he's not there now. I think they have to bring in a veteran point guard who can ably fill those backup minutes. It could be someone like Shabazz Napier, bring him back. Yogi Ferrell, he was waived. Tim Frazier, these guys aren't world beaters. They're not great players, but, and it doesn't seem like a move like that would make a big difference. But if you take those 12 to 13 minutes when Dame's sitting and you put a league average player in there instead of Anthony Simons, I think it would be a huge boost for this team. And so, like I said, I don't think that's going to happen. I think that we're going to see what Simons can do. I think that's what Neil Shea is going to do. We'll see how he responds. We'll see how Giles responds. And I hope that maybe with a more defined role, if Simons knows he's going to get those 12 minutes every game and he's going to be the backup point guard, maybe he'll put it together. But it's prove-it time for him. And so that's what I think these next couple weeks – I mean, if, if Simons continues to play the way he has for the next couple weeks, and I think that Neil Shea really has to look at bringing in someone who can at least just put regular league average production out there during those minutes when Dame is sitting. So I don't think it's going to happen right now, but I think unless Simons gets better, it's going to need to happen. Sure. Jared, uh, I – I'm just going to say Anthony's a nice kid to round out that uh, compliment sandwich there. <laughs> you forgot to end it on a, on a nice note. Uh, but you're, you're right. Um, and the question was, should the Blazers make a move now? We all are in agreement that they won't. And I'm right now, I don't think the Blazers should 
make a move because you have to figure out what you have in Anthony Simons. As an organization, you have to figure it out. You would prefer not to have to figure it out during a season when you're trying to win uh, at the level that they were hoping to in the preseason, but you have to figure it out if you're the Blazers. And this is your opportunity to, to see what he can be when he knows he's going to get regular minutes off the bench. Because there's an argument to be made, at least at the beginning of this season, there are games where he doesn't play at all. So yeah. he doesn't know when he's coming in and out of the game. Right now, for at least the next couple of weeks, he should have an understanding of what his role is, when he's going to play, and what he needs to do out there on the floor when he is out there. And so, but you're right. His net rating this year, minus 27.2, uh, obviously is the worst on the team of guys who play somewhat regularly. Jared's a real big plus minus guy. And we've talked about how last year out of 520 NBA players, Anthony Simons ranked 518th mm. in real plus minus last year. Uh, so he has a history of not being a replacement level player. And Jared's right. The, the Blazers, you can't have these staggering on-off numbers when Dame is off the court for 12 minutes a night. And that's what he's, he's been playing 36 minutes a game pretty much so far this year. Now I'm wondering if Stotts during this next month or two doesn't up his minutes a little yeah. bit to 38 or 40 just to try to limit the time Dame's off the court. And that's a lot that you're putting on Dame because – the minutes he's going to have to play moving forward are going to be tougher than the minutes he's been playing so far this season because there is no CJ and there is no Nurk. So he's carrying more of the offensive load while he's out there. But the one game sample size we have of this is the Spurs game without both of them. And Dame sat for six minutes in the first, in the first half. The Blazers were minus nine in those six minutes. He sat for two minutes at the beginning of the fourth quarter and they were minus five, and Stotts had to get them back into the game because they were falling behind. I think they were down by 10 or 12 at that point. But that means out of eight minutes of sitting while the team was trying to be competitive and win the game, the Blazers were minus 14. That can't happen. This team with the injuries is not good enough to go plus 14 when Dame is on the floor and go minus 14 in the minutes when he's off. They're just not good enough talent-wise to do that on a consistent basis. And so Jared's right. This is Anthony Simon's time. Olshay said, he said it. He's the most talented player he's ever drafted. Uh, even someone like me, who was a big Anthony Simon's guy, was like, okay, that seems a little, that seems a little out there and a little much. Uh, but we'll see. It's year three. If he's really the most talented player you've ever drafted, I don't care if he's 21 years old and never played college basketball. It, it's year three it's time to be at the very minimum a replacement level player in the league. If you're a first round pick and the most talented guy ever drafted. So this is all about Simons. And I'll just make one point about Gary Trent Jr. He's just got to be more consistent. Man. Yep. He, he's pretty much been one game on one game off all season. And that's fine when you're playing the role he was playing of, you know, seventh man on the team. And granted, it looks like he's going to have that role moving forward. Cause it looks like at least at the beginning, Rodney Hood's going to be starting but his impact on the game is going to be much more significant than it was with CJ and Nurk available. So he needs to be night in, night out, a consistent guy for the Blazers, someone they can rely on to hit threes, give them 12 to 15 points a night. Let me hit on that real quick. Uh, I did want to talk about Trent Jr. and his inconsistency because it's been remarkable in how consistent he is and <laughs> in being inconsistent. He hasn't strung together two double-figure scoring games yet, this season um, in 12 games, he scored double figures in exactly six games and he's hadn't been held below 10 points in the other six games. And in those double figure scoring games, he's averaging 16 points and shooting 58% from three. And in the six games when he was held under 10 points, he's averaging 5.5 points and shooting 19.2% from three. And they just need that to even out. He doesn't have to shoot 58% from three every game, but he needs to be consistent game to game. He can't have, game on game off where he's you know fantastic one game and terrible the next so he does i mean he's a young player and that might be all that it is and just you know he's still figuring out his role and maybe having a more defined role now will help him but yeah he's got to figure that out man nate you hit on <clears throat> most of the bullet points i had written down here 
However, I will tell you guys, don't you worry about my guy Gary Trent Jr., okay? <laughs> now is his time. Bubble Gary Trent Jr. activated. They, they need it, man. I they hope need so. it. They and, absolutely need it. And this is, this is to your point, and that is, I think, played a lot into Gary Trent Jr.'s inconsistencies, has been he doesn't know what his role is night to night. Like, what do they need from him from game to game? And for most players, that becomes a problem because you get into some type of rhythm. You know, a lot of these guys talk about that being so important is getting into a groove, getting into the rhythm. And when you think your, your role is to do one thing one night and then it's not the other, um, that can just be a challenge. So to get into a flow of a game, uh, I think is going to be huge for a guy like Gary Trent Jr., um, and so I'm glad that you brought him up. And this is this is my my big concern here within the roster is the fact that Dame is going to log some serious miles during during this stretch of two months or so that we think uh, this team will be without CJ specifically. And I worry that all of those miles will catch up to him at some point. And so. Yes, Dame needs to be out there, and you, the numbers prove it, you know, just how desperately they need him in the backcourt. Um, but at some point, there has to be some give and take and some balance, and uh, Dame playing 40 minutes a game is, is a tough ask for any superstar player to do night in and night out. Um, and, and you don't want to get to a point where at the end of the year, you're having to load manage Dame when this team needs to be playing its best basketball. And so I do, I do worry about that. And this was something that, that has been brought up over the past couple of press conferences, uh, Zoom interviews with the team. And that's how Terry Stott's plans to kind of change things up offensively within the second unit. And I think he, he's trying to make it less ball dependent on the point guard and taking a lot of that responsibility out of Anthony Simons' hands and adding a lot more motion into it. And so for a lot of the fire Terry Stotts crowd people that are complaining about all the offensive sets and how bad it's been. And everyone's watching Dame go through pick and roll after pick and roll. And other guys are standing around. We're going to get our opportunity to see what this offense can be at least without Dame in the, in the lineup and, and guys moving around. And so I think that's going to help just guys getting touches out there and getting into some type of flow. And so that's, again, why I get back to like the past couple of practices being so important, why this stretch of games is so big, because now it's like these other guys that are maybe one night are asked to do something and then the next night not, especially Anthony Simons. Uh, now, like it's, it's a lot more defined in what you're going to be doing when you're out there and you need to deliver. And so the whole Neil O'Shea needs to make a move, that type of thing. I'm with you guys 100%. And, and the fact that it's not going to happen, um, He's going to have a lot of patience with these guys. He believes in these guys. He brought them in. They're his guys. Yeah. And we've said that over and over when they are his guys and he makes those moves for him. Like he is all in on them um, and doesn't give up on them a lot. So let's see how these next uh, two weeks or so play out. And, and my thing is like, okay, you can make a move now, but you know, Shabazz Napier isn't on a team for a reason. Like Jared said, maybe he could be a replacement level. Are we sure? Like, I feel like if he could be a replacement-level point guard, he'd be on a team right now. Um, so it's not like these guys that we're talking about on the streets would come in. Not every one of them becomes mellow, you know. Mellow is the exception to the rule. Usually you bring guys in, and maybe they'll give you a game or two where they're playing at a level where you want or need them to be. But after that, you know, they show why they weren't on an NBA roster. And so to me right now, like, you gotta you gotta see Simons and you've gotta let him try to try to grow into something during this time period. And Jared's right. If a month from now Simons is still uh, you know, if his net rating is still negative 27 a month from now, then yeah. yeah, it's probably time to pick up a point guard off the street because that's not even replacement level. At that point, you're just wanting the guy that you pick up off the street to be better than negative 27 net rating is the expectation you're then putting on that guy. But you have to move forward with Simons. And these guys on the streets, I don't, like I said, I don't think any of them would have much of an impact or at least anything more significant than what's already on the roster. 
I wouldn't mind seeing a new Shabazz Napier Stumptown coffee commercial. <laughs> I think we're yeah. due. So, so I'm down to see him come through um, if that's the case. Um, but you guys know what time it is. Let's, let's make some predictions because I know we've got Max Barr on, on standby here. And we need oh, to yes. get to yeah. the, the heart of the show here. The Blazers are scheduled to play two games between now and our next podcast. Sunday against the Knicks, who are 7-8, and eight, and Monday against the Thunder, who are 6-7. and seven. Which games do the Blazers win? Which games do the Blazers lose? Jared, let's start with you, man. I want to get to rip it, so I'm going to be brief on this. Um, I'm going to give the Blazers a little bit of a boost here because of the practice that they've been able to have. Listen, the Knicks and the, the Thunder, they're about 500, so they're maybe a little bit better than you think but they're both like really up and down. And I just think even depleted, the Blazers are a more talented roster than both of those teams. So I'm going to give the Blazers a win against the Knicks and a, and a win against the Thunder. Um, at some point I will pick the Blazers to lose, but I'm just not there yet. <laughs> I don't think I've picked them to lose a game yet this, this season. <laughs> I think I only picked them to lose against the Lakers, which of course they uh, did. Yeah. <laughs> If we even pick those games, I don't know if we picked that first week of games. Uh, we didn't pick the first week. I would have picked them to lose. So, so Jared's right. He still hasn't picked them to lose this year. I love it. I love it. Jared is literally alone in Red City right now. He's not picked them to lose one game. They played so many bad teams. Speak, speaking of the picks so far this year, Orlando, you are on top right now at eight and two in the 10 games we've picked so far this year. Oh, nice. You picked the Pacers loss and the Hawks win correctly last week. You missed out on the Spurs loss. Jared, you were you were six and one going into the week, but you're, you're bad week. picking the Blazers uh, came back to bite you a little bit. Last. <laughs> yes. Uh, you they uh, they of course beat the Hawks, but you missed on the losses to the Pacers and Spurs. So you're seven and three this year. I'm six and four. I gained a game on Jared. I went the same route Orlando did. Picked right on the Pacers loss and the Hawks win picked incorrectly on the Spurs loss. And I really, really, really want to pick the Knicks against the Blazers. They, they're 500, and they have good wins on the resume. They have the Bucks, they got the Pacers, they got the Jazz, the Celtics were shorthanded, but they got the Warriors. Yeah. Well, those are all good wins. And they've won, I think, three in a row now, so an up-and-down team, but they seem to be up right now the only reason i'm going to pick the blazers is because they've had all this time off and i can't imagine dame letting this team lay an egg in this first game back it's the only reason i'm picking the blazers if the blazers had played wednesday against the grizzlies and we're playing tonight against the grizzlies and didn't have this time off to kind of reset and figure this out i would pick the knicks but i am going to go with the blazers and the Thunder, while they're close to 500, they are what Jared said. If you look at their wins, most of them not impressive. So I'm also going to go the route and pick the Blazers to go to it. Yeah, so it's a clean sweep this this week, guys. Uh, I'm also going 2-0. Uh, that, that Knicks game is going to be good, though. And they present all kinds of problems for the Blazers, especially in the paint. So Julius uh, Randle. Yep, he had, yep. He had his career high against Portland, right? When he was on the Pelicans, then he dropped like 45 on the Blazers. He tends to feast. Yeah. He's having his best season, too. Yep, yep. So I wouldn't be surprised if they lose that game. But as Jared mentioned, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt here. Uh, let's, let's see how they do this week. And with all that time off, man, uh, expect a big night from Dame. So, so I noticed we all, we all picked them to go 2-0, and and yet I was the only one who got laughed at. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you made it. You, made it so, you got laughed at because you haven't picked them to lose yet this year. That's I, know, I, I actually had to go back and think about that. I'm like, I don't think I've actually picked them to lose. Yeah, that's, why, uh, that's why you're getting laughed at. Is we've, we're now a month into the season, and you've yet to pick them to lose one game. It's coming. It's coming. <laughs> It, it better be with the, with the roster <laughs> they're putting together right now. <laughs> yep. Guys, it, it's time to get serious. Tap those wrists. Max Barr, welcome to the show, man. Hey, guys. I uh, just want to say I love the, love the 2-0 and o picks by all of you. <laughs> I, can't believe, I can't believe you all went 2-0. It's a kiss I, of death. Max was definitely uh, – on looked like he was favoring the Knicks. Oh yes, very much. I'm so. high on the Knicks. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, and they just got one of their best players back, Alec Burks. Yeah, it's 
watch out for them. Guys, it's great to be back with another week of Rip It. One correct answer each. <laughs> but I believe in you. I believe you can do better than one. That would be oh. something because we're missing out on some opportunities. Right <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> so let's get to it. Let's find out how you did last week. We're going to go back to the Pacers game. Question was, which total will be greater? Rebounds by Derek Jones Jr. or blocked shots by Miles Turner? Nate, you went with Miles Turner blocks. Jared Norlando, you went with Jones Jr. in the rebounds. Turner with four blocks in the game. Ooh, I am in the mix here. He I was think. swatting them away. But Jones Jr. with six rebounds. No. Yeah, all yeah. above his average. Let's go. What was so he Jared Norlando doing? on the board. What was he even doing out there on the floor? That game was over in the middle of the second quarter. What was he even doing out there getting rebounds? <laughs> you know, low-key, Derek Jones Jr. has been playing some pretty good basketball lately. Mm-hmm. He's got the best net rating of any individual Blazers so far this year. Moving to the Hawks game, question was, who will score the most points? Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum, or Trey Young? Oh. Jared and Orlando went with the Hawk, went with Trey Young. Nate, you... Went with Dame time. Tap that wrist, And this looked like it was going to be CJ, who <laughs> scored 16 points before getting stepped on. Trey Young with 26 points. Not but enough. Dame had 36. Ooh. So Nate is on the board with that one. That's, Guys, that's, can, all, that's on us, Jared. We, that we is on us. We should have got it. Dame. Can I give you some rip it advice moving forward? You never <laughs> pick Trey Young over Damian Lillard. Or just any, not even rip it. Just anything involving basketball. Never pick Trey Young over David. I thought someone had to score points for the Hawks. Yep. That's what I was thinking too. <laughs> Good advice from Nate. Let's go to the Spurs game. And this was an over-under. 17 and a half points for LaMarcus Aldridge. Jared and Nate went under. Orlando, you said he'll get up for this game. I'm taking the over. And you were right. He scored 22 points. And that, those are sandwiched by like single digit scoring for Aldridge. Yeah. So you were right. He got up for that game. Man, I thought I, I was thinking during that game that I, I was watching that game and thinking I had picked over. I don't know why I thought I had. <laughs> That's disappointing. Well, because he was because like Max said, he was awful in the other two games. Yeah. The Blazers <laughs> let him, you know, they there was the canter problem on defense in that they, game. They just gave him open he jumper after open jumper. Open mid-range all day for LaMarcus yep. and he was hot. And then, unfortunately, we have the, the Grizzlies game, the first one, which was postponed. So we're taking that one off the board. But the question Dylan was, Brooks who will make the most the right threes? Pick. Dylan Brooks would have been the right pick, by the way. Fellas. Well, we'll never know. <laughs> we'll, we'll, well, maybe we'll know later this season. TBD. And then that brings us to the wild card question of the week, which was, in which game will the Blazers score the fewest points? <laughs> Orlando, you picked the Pacers. Nate and Jared went with the Grizzlies, which unfortunately was postponed. That's a zero, now, man. He's well, not going to give zero. it to us. After consulting the Rip It Rules Committee, we are going <laughs> to treat this the same way we would treat a DNP from a player. Oh, oh no. no. So we're taking that one out of the running. <laughs> oh, no. Which means Orlando was right with the Pacers game. They only scored 87 points in the loss to the Pacers. <laughs> Let's Maybe go. a controversial decision, but I believe the right one. I stand by the committee. And really, it didn't matter anyway when it comes to this week's total. Orlando gets the win three out of five. Jared and Nate, one out of five. So congrats wait, to Orlando. Wait, wait, wait. It would have been a it three. It does one. matter. It does matter here. If we you had given that to Memphis, it would have been 2-2-2. Two, two, two. Yeah. Would well, have been a tie. I'm not even arguing with your ruling. I think your ruling is fair. <laughs> Thank you. Do. Thank you. But it I'm arguing with the rule. Well, well, of course it, you are. <laughs> had Max had Max thrown it out altogether, it wouldn't have mattered. 
because I would have had two. Yeah, he would have had to give us the win. True. Yeah. Hey, yep. zero is still less than eighty-seven. Just throwing it <laughs> well, out. Well, <laughs> you you've got me there. Yeah. But we're we're in the interest of fairness here with the Ripit Rules Committee. So there yeah. you have it. Orlando, congratulations. Orlando. Don't let them take this away from you. Yeah, see, that's, that's, the, that's the real reason I'm fighting this. Is I, I don't want Orlando to be the champion. That's really this, the this win has an asterisk next to it. Yeah. <laughs> Any week that uh, Nate takes an L and rip it is a good week. <laughs> Man, you guys took he took Trey Young over Damian Lillard and he still won Rip It this week. <laughs> what a terrible week it's been for the Blazers. <laughs> All right, guys, let's get to this week's game. What do you say? It's Only really two nice. games to talk about. So these will be fun. We're gonna start with the Knicks game. First question. More rebounds. Ennis Cantor, RJ Barrett, or Mitchell Robinson? Let's go with the friend of the podcast, Ennis Cantor. All right. It's a revenge game for Cantor going against the Knicks. Yeah. I'm going to go with Cantor as well. Orlando? Uh, I, I want to pick uh, Robinson, but I, Cantor just gobbles up rebounds, man. Yeah. Um, I'll play the, the odds games here and assume that, that more minutes equals more rebounds for Cantor. So I'll take Cantor as well. And it's going to be right. RJ Barrett. You know it because you know, it's, <laughs> I know. Be it's not even going to be Mitchell Robinson. Either. He's going to pull down like Barrett. 17 boards or something. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next question. Same game. More assists. Damian Lillard or Julius Randle? <laughs> Randle's averaging a lot of assists. He's averaging more than six assists per game. Oh, I didn't know it was that much. My goodness. Well, I, I went against... Dame for Trey Young last week, and I'm going to learn from my mistake, and I'm going to pick Dame this time. Oh, yeah. Lesson learned. Give me dollar. Are you guys doing two straight sweeps? Fellas, that was a great lesson I gave you, but when you have the choice (laughs) to pick between Julius Randle and Damian Lillard, (laughs) sometimes you want to go with Julius Randle. You're not doing it, are you? Sometimes you do. So let's roll with some Julius Randle here. Julius Randle is the Trey Young of the Knicks. Kills the Blazers again. I almost want to pick the Knicks now. <laughs> All right. Blazers versus Thunder. First question, who will make the most three-pointers in this game? Gary Trent Jr., Lou Dort, or Carmelo Anthony? Oh, man. Orlando, take it away, man. Why, why do you tempt me every week, Max? I can't help myself. I'm running out of players. <laughs> uh, all right. I, you know what, guys? Since I, I, I gassed him up, I hyped him up so much, I'm going to take Gary Trent Jr. on this one. Man. I like it. The betrayal. Nah. <laughs> Mello is my guy for Rip It, but. He just gave you a shout out yesterday saying he misses you, and this is how you repay him? You know, I, I, I need to save those Rip It automatic wins for later in the year. Man, I, we need to get Mello listen to this podcast here. We do. We need to get him on the pod. Yeah. Yeah, work on that. Yeah. So this is by by Trent's schedule so far this season. He should break out against the Knicks, have a great game, and then be terrible against the Thunder. That's kind of the way it works. So I can't go with Gary Trent Jr. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Mello. Yeah. Uh, Jared did the same exact thing I did. Uh, I was just like looking at his point totals. I was like, well, the next game, he'll be great. <laughs> yeah. Which is why I picked the Blazers. Just reminding everyone, I picked the Blazers against the Blazers. Uh, you I'm also picked them against the Thunder. Dort, was he shooting like 44% from three this year or something like that? I feel like he's been awesome. I'm going to go with Dort. I'm going to look that up. All right. Next question, same game. Who's going to get more steals? Lou Dort or Robert Covington? Oh, we're rolling two for two on Dort here, man. This is going to be – I'm big Lou Dort guy right now. All right. Lou Dort is shooting 43.7% from three, and I'm going to give him more steals in this game than Covington. Oh, I, I, wanted, I wanted to go Covington, but just out of spite, I guess, <laughs> we'll switch it up. I'll, I'll – um, oh. You guys do, is that a sweep for Dort on this one? 
No, no. Let's do let's do Covington. I can't do it. <laughs> All right. That, that would be something if we had a sweep of Lou Dort. <laughs> I'm going against my instincts here. I almost picked up Lou Dort on my fantasy team today. He's been good. Yep, he has. He's been good for them. All right, that brings us to the wild card question of the week. It's an over-under. Eight three-pointers for Damian Lillard in the Blazers' next two games. Eight total threes. Are you going over or under? Take the over, man. Yeah, when you have the choice between Damian Lillard and eight, pick Damian Lillard every time. So Damian Lillard. We just keep, like, sweeping on all these, but I got to go with Dame, too. Okay. Let's go. Well, that's it. We'll find out how you did next week. Hopefully, it will not be as controversial. (laughs) Asterisk next to that win there, Orlando. And you turned on Mellow. Like, what what (laughs) happened over the last 10 minutes? The only thing I know is that I will be paying attention to Dort now, like no other. (laughs) Dort, man. He's pretty awesome. He's fun to watch. He runs around the court. Rippin has ruined the way I watch basketball games, Blazers basketball games now. Dude, he was the James Harden stopper. Like the actual James Harden stopper, unlike the Zion stopper that you said Trevor Ariza or whoever was. (laughs) Oh, good times. Good times. (laughs) Guys, it's good to see you guys again via Zoom. Another great podcast in the books. For those of you guys that are listening and have made it this far, please tell me you've subscribed already and let everybody know about the podcast. Let's grow this thing. Let's share this with the world. Let them know how great this podcast is. We appreciate you listening to us week in and week out, and we'll be back next week better than ever. Take care. <laughs>